to the track, the wall makes the leap and makes the catch! Amazing catch by Junior! He got it! A perfect game! 13 strikeouts! And Barnes hits one high! It's a What a special moment for Barry Bonds. Swing and a long drive. Deep to right. Going. 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 Goodbye. He has done it. He has changed the game of the night with one swing of his bat. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Champions Hello Adjust. Welcome to no, 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 no. Jackson, Aaron, Machman, Stone, <laughs> and we are excited to be here. We're going to start that over because I fucked it all up. All right. One, two. <laughs> <an outtake. laughs> yeah, I'm going to post that yeah. for sure tomorrow. Okay. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Champions Adjust podcast with... Your hosts, David me. Bodzin. Yes. And I am with my co-host, Jackson Aaron Moshpitz Stone, the myth, the man, the legend of the Shalom League softball. <laughs> Just yeah. an absolute jackster. Amazing. Well and done. Then, and then another hello from Lola right here. You might be able to see her because she's very well. Hello. You want to be on camera? Okay. All right. Should we try a third time? No, I mean, what's wrong with me introducing my daughter? <laughs> no, anyways, yeah, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Happy to be back. This is our third edition of our special postseason episodes of the Champions Adjust podcast. We're in season two. This is the second season we've been doing this podcast and the postseason episodes. And today we're specifically going to go over the um, championship series on both the American League and the National League leading to the World Series. We've talked about all four teams uh, at this point pretty extensively so you may be able to guess what our predictions might be but we finally got some predictions right the American League side maybe you know I got the entire American League side right and you almost did even though it was a sweep you were very close to getting that right uh, I mean I got the Yankees right yeah but I'm talking about the Mariners um so anybody doesn't know, um, you obviously know that it's the uh, the Phillies, Padres, Phillies beat the Padres last night to nothing. We are t minus twenty one minutes and thirty seven seconds away from game two as we film, and then tonight is a Yankees Astros game. And uh, last week I predicted Yankees Astros on the AL side, Braves Dodgers on the NL side. Um, Aaron also had Braves and Dodgers on the NL side, but Mariners, Yankees mm-hmm. on the AL side. And the cool thing about that um, Mariners-Houston game is that a couple pitches here and there, and it really could have been Mariners-Yankees. Um, I, I texted my, my cousin Trey, who's a big Astros fan, yep. and I said, I think this series is going to be the best series of all the LDSs. And he says, well, I hope not. I said, listen, it doesn't have to be a long series to be a great series. Think about that. It doesn't have to be a long series to be a great series. Right. And it wasn't a long series. It was a three-game sweep. But holy cow, was that a great series. Yep. I mean, I, I love the Mariners. I'm impressed with their whole season. Clearly, I picked them to make it to move on to play the Yankees. I was wrong because the Astros are very dominant right now. Oh, my God, are they good. And they did not trip up like everybody else did with the um, with the extra week. Right. 
They really, I mean, they were like, okay. The last five years, they've been just in every big game. They're, I mean, this is their first, fifth straight um, ALCS. So, and they really want to rewrite, or not rewrite, that's the wrong word. They want to um, kind of get the 2018 World Series off of people's domes. Yes. And I am, for one, I'll say it here, I was one of the strongest critics of that team when it happened. I was so. Like, up, like beside myself. Like, you guys cheated. You don't deserve this. Don't do that or that. It's been five years. There's one player left on that team who was part of the cheating scandal, and that's Alex Bregman, who by all accounts is kind of a jack wagon anyway. Not, like, the nicest person um, from, from, from what I've heard. Um, Fun fact about me and Alex Bregman. Oh, you know him. Okay. Is that my senior year yeah. of college, yeah. me and Alex Bregman were on the all Jewish, all American Division One baseball college team. And y'all played together? No, there was no games. It was just oh, like a list that yeah. came out, like the best Jewish mm-hmm. baseball players in Division One. Sure. And I was at, I was on it, and so was he. Was he? Was he a bad uh, fictional teammate? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a great fictional teammate. <laughs> Exceptional. Yeah, I've heard a, I've heard a lot of things. I'm not sure how old he is. Yeah. He might have been. A, I don't know how That's old he was in relation to me. But, anyway, but fun fact. Yeah, um, that is a cool fact. Um, you and Harrison Bader. You and Alex Bregman. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think that, you know, he's the only known cheater. Like, Altuve, uh, um, nobody talks about Altuve. He's like five foot on stilts. And yet he's one of the best playoff hitters to ever exist. Mm-hmm. And he has, it's been proven that he wasn't part of that cheating scandal. Like, like everybody said it. Yeah, okay, he didn't cheat. Um, people still love to hit him. I'm, I, I am so tired of hearing about the 2017 season now because... It was five years ago. Right. Get over it. It happened. It's not happening anymore. Oh, the, the, the cheat shows. Cool. Dodgers fans and Yankees fans are calling them cheaters. Yeah, you can, you can call them whatever you want, but you can't really say anything. That is one of the coolest things I've ever seen right there. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. But you yeah. can't say anything really negative about how they grow and nurture their players to make them stars on the MLB roster. Right. Right. There's no cheating there. There's right. just fundamental growth and nurturing their players to create the team they have over and over and over and over and over again. Think about the players they've lost over the years, specifically George Springer and Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. You're starting center field and you're starting shortstop who are now with the Blue Jays and the, and the Twins, respectively, um, and yet they are better than ever right. with a rookie shortstop. And they went and got Kyle Tucker, who they did not give up in the Granky trade, and they kept him around. And it's just Jordan Alvarez, who is quite possibly the worst trade I've ever seen, is Jordan Alvarez was traded from the Dodgers for a pitcher who's no longer with the Dodgers, and Alvarez is arguably the third best hitter in baseball right now. Right. Like, he is so good. And nobody talks about it because nobody likes to talk about the, the card. And the, the Astros, and it's almost a shame that nobody wants to talk about the Astros because of how fundamentally great they are. Right. Like you just mentioned, in the game's history, few teams have been as dominant as they have been in the last five years. Right. But nobody likes to talk about about the Astros because of 2017. So we missed the fact that... Right, 2017. Did yeah. I say 2018? I'm not sure what you said. Anyways, 2017. But so we missed the fact that Altuve is one of the best postseason hitters we've ever seen. We missed the fact that 
You know, Bregman's Bregman. He's great defensively. He's great offensively. We miss the fact that Verlander's having a resurgence year and is going to be the American League Rookie of the Year, even though I came out very publicly on our podcast and said that was a terrible signing. Yeah. Um, miss the fact that... Uh, you know, Jeremy Payne is a rookie and just hit you know a home run on the top of the 18th inning in that third game, um, and has and he's hit like six uh, like two sixty seven on the season in his rookie year, and it's just a really fundamentally great team that yeah. nobody likes to talk about. And they're playing with a lot of fire because if they if they win the World Series this year, no one will be talking about mm-hmm. seventeen anymore. And that is why I'm rooting for them. And that's that's what's on their mind. I want Altuve to win a non. Um, hindered World Series, and of course your boy Delcy Baker. I want him to finally get his ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Bonds, Barry Bonds really ruined it for him. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I like I like Dusty Baker. My uh, when Dusty Baker was the manager for the San Francisco Giants back in the day when Barry Bonds was playing, my dad and I we went to a lot of baseball games, cool. um, and we sat in the left field bleachers right right behind Barry, and it was it was really cool. I mean, those those are the moments that make you fall in love with the game, right? Yeah, you know with someone that you love and care about teaching you the game watching a guy in his prime and then Barry Bonds gets to the playoffs with the Giants in 2001 and I think they faced the 2002 2002, excuse me a year after his 73 home run season they play the Angels and there's my dad will make the argument that Dusty Baker lost that for the San Francisco Giants. It's an easy argument to make. It's an easy it's argument to make. A right argument. But it is his argument, and I think it's funny because now when he sees uh, the Astros go into the championship series, he's like, oh, Dusty's going to blow it. <laughs> you know, same thing that we're seeing with the Dodgers right now, right? That, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, Dave Roberts, 111 wins, the best team in baseball since 1939, mm-hmm. and they lose in the divisional series against the Padres. Yep. Um, and it was like, oh, it's Dave Roberts' fault. And that's, I think, a, a very easy blame game, but not necessarily a fair assessment. Right. I mean, it's all, all of that stuff is hard, right? Because you, like, people, fans, analysts, anyone really, podcasters, right? We have to, awesome. not have to, we have to, we we choose to put the blame on one thing yes. rather than looking at the totality of the situation, right? Right. Of course, the manager makes a lot of in-game decisions late in the day, late in the game, based on statistics, metrics, probabilities, things of that nature. But the players still have to go out there and execute the yeah. game plan. Well, and that's the big thing. And so if they don't, people just say, oh, it's the manager's fault. He could have kept him in one more batter. He could have kept him in one more inning. He should have thrown this side of the play. He missed that spot. Yada, 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 yada. Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman strike out at the top of the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Like, could not have scripted it better for the Dodgers. That's not Dave Roberts' fault that they struck out. Right. Against, you know, Josh Bader, who's just been incredible in this postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he didn't have the bat and said swing at three sliders in a row like, like Freddie Freeman did. Right. Um, to end the season. That's not... The manager's fault. No. I always put it this way. I So I was a student manager for the University of Arizona football team for a couple of years. and I, So I was on the sideline for some, like, heart-wrenching losses. And I'll never forget, um, we were up against our rivals, Arizona State, and Alex Dejas, who was our kicker, missed an extra point. Now, that, that, that lost us the game. It was the, um, it was the replacement guard, right guard, who missed the block that forced that. But nobody looked at the guard missing the block. They, they looked at the kicker who got a kick block. Mm-hmm. But then you look back at why was this even a situation? Well, our starting run back had fumbled the ball twice inside their own five-yard line, our own five-yard line. 
creating 10 points for them. Mm-hmm. That's not the kicker's fault that 10 points were scored. Otherwise, it would have been a 10-point win right. if the kicker wouldn't have been in this situation anyway. Exactly. And I, I tell that story because it's so easy to look at last year, Alex Reyes went on the mound, and Mike Schilt lost his job because of this. Alex Reyes came on the mound after a bad second half and gave up a a game-winning home run to Chris Taylor that put the Cardinals eliminated and uh, won the game for the Dodgers. And everybody's like, oh, what are you doing, Mike Schilt? Well, let's look at the last three innings of why that's the situation anyway. That's not necessarily Mike Schilt's fault. That's not Alex Reyes' fault. Yeah, of course, Alex Reyes left a hanging slider. But... Let's look at the rest of the game and how this could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. About the error in the third inning. I'm not saying there was one, but say there was an error in the third inning right. that occurred. Like, if that doesn't happen, then we're not in this situation in the first place. Yep. Looking all the way back. There are many moments throughout the game that create the end result of the game. Yes. It's the same thing with your life and daily habits, right? You want to look at where your life is going to end up. You got to look at what you do every day, your daily actions, your daily habits. And that translates exactly onto a baseball game or whatever game sport you're playing. There's nine innings of baseball and a lot happens between the first pitch and the very last pitch, the first out and the 27th out. And yes, we like to look at the field goal kicker who missed the point with one second, the kick with one second left and say that game is on him. Or the coach made this call and that game is on him. Or the closer gave up two runs and gave up a walk-off home run. The game is on him. Yes, specifically in that moment, in that one-on-one battle or in that moment, yes, they did have a mistake. But the game is not their fault, right? It's a team game with a lot of things that happen throughout that create micro-moments. Micro-moments create the big moments and they compound and aggregate over time to create the end result, whatever that may be. And so we tend to overlook all that stuff and just see what's... um, right in front of us like oh it's Dave Roberts fault he's had the best team in baseball for the last five years and he's only won one World Series and that was like in the COVID year and it's like eh, maybe they he didn't really win it right and so like he he's put together a really good team he's obviously created a really good culture there um, and all that stuff and so I, I mean you can do whatever you want with him. I'm not the LA Dodgers general manager, or um, but, so I'm not going to make that decision. But I think they have to look at the the overall broader view of the situation rather than just saying they lost, his fault, he's done, let's sure. move on. It's such an easy argument to make, and it's low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's so nuanced and so it's an inaccurate statement when you say, "Oh, it's this person's fault right. that a team lost." No, it's not. It's not. And you can even 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 look farther than that. What did they do the week of, the day of, that preparing for this? Did they do their normal routines? Did they have the same amount of sleep and food? Were they well rested? Was something happening at home? All of these things matter. You never know. I'm not saying that's an excuse. It's not an excuse. But it is a reason that we can look at to have further argument and further conversation about a topic that just isn't like, it's his fault, it's done, let's move on. And and all of that stuff is relative. Like somebody had told me yesterday in like the eighth inning of that Cleveland Guardians-New York Yankees game, oh, the Guardians decided to just be terrible all of a sudden. Well, no. It's a game seven situation with a bunch of 20 to 23-year-olds and the pressure got to them. That Mm -hmm. extra night of sleep after, excuse me, after that rain delay, Postponement that really does affect you heavily. Like, yes, you spend all day. You're going to the Bronx. Game five, winner take all in front of a sold out crowd. Let's get going. Right. Hey, by the way, we're not going to play this game. Right. We're going to play it tomorrow. Deflated. 
go back to your hotel. You're not home. You're going back to your hotel, and you're probably not sleeping very well. And you have to get, and you have to get, and then you have to wake up and get pumped up all over again and get mm-hmm. that adrenaline moving all over again for a day game. And it's just, it's harder. Right. It's hard to do. And it's so much easier to do at home. I would argue, who knows if, who would have won game five if it had played the day it was supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. But the home team has a significant advantage once you have to go home and then come back to do it again the next day mm-hmm. without doing it. Right? right. That is a significant advantage to the players who get to go back to the comfort of their own home. Yeah. Um, whether it's a loft they rented for the year or if it's their actual home with their family, it doesn't matter. It's not a hotel. Yeah. It feels it feels more like their space Correct. where they can actually feel like they can rest. And psychologically, that has a huge impact. It does. And so it's not like the Guardians just didn't decide not and they didn't want to play. No, they, the guy, and that was what I thought was the biggest mistake of that game for Terry Francona is he took the starting pitcher who was ready to go Monday night and he threw him Tuesday. The Yankees didn't do that. Yankees are starting the guy who was supposed to start on Monday today in the ALCS. And Nestor Cortez went instead. But the Guardians had other options and said, you know what? You were so fired up for this game last night. Let's see if you can match that same intensity the next day. Mm-hmm. That's so hard to do. And I, far be it for me to question a Hall of Fame manager. Sure. A great person. A great coach. Um, Arizona baseball alumnus. Um, and... Just all around a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer. But how hard is it? And I'm asking you because you do. This is your expertise. How hard is it to to mirror your intensity when you have to go into a hotel and then try to dig down and get it the same way the next day with all the nerves that are that are involved in a winner take all in New York City in the Bronx for a team that is the youngest team in baseball? It's it's incredibly hard. It's like you, as a pitcher, specifically a baseball pitcher, you have a distinct routine that you follow the whole year. Right. Because you know exactly when you're going to throw the baseball every single week. Right. As a starter. It's a bit different as a bullpen guy, and that, that psychology is much different. That's why it's really hard. Yes. Both are really hard, yes. but it's a little bit less hard to be a starting pitcher, psychology-wise. Right. Okay. Um, because you have a distinct routine. I know I'm going to prepare this, 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 and this. I start here. And so to do all of that, knowing that you're scheduled to pitch this day and then having to redo it again the next day is, not, is just not good, psychologically right. speaking. Because you're, you can have kind of two frames of approach, right? When you're thinking about a big game. You can say, this game is the biggest game of the year. And I'm going to treat it as such. I'm going to prepare the same, but in my mind, I'm thinking this is the biggest game of the year, so I'm going to get a little extra fired up. Or you can think of every game as the same. Right. I I like the second approach because I think it keeps you grounded. I think it keeps you level-headed. I think it keeps you present because it's just another baseball game that you've been doing since you were eight years old. It's just more people are watching. Yes, there's money and there's stakes and there's people's livelihood on the line, but you can't think about as that's happening. No. You're more likely to think about that if you view it as the Super Bowl, as the World Series, if you're going out there and you're putting the whole world on your shoulders. Prime example. And so if you think about that and you do that for the start on Monday and then it doesn't happen and right. you have to go to sleep, wake up the next day and try and do that all again, that takes so much it's more. Day. Yes. Because you have a 7 o'clock game, and a 3 o'clock game. Yes, even more. So that takes up so much mental capacity, Four hours left. so much mental energy, and now you're thinking like, 
like holy shit, right? Yes. And so that might be a coaching error. It might not be. Who are we to say, right? We're just discussing that topic. But psychologically speaking, from a mindset point, it's very, very hard. Um, And I don't know how that pitcher responds to adversity, right? We don't know how he responds. We don't know. We don't know what kind of mental skills he's been taught. So young, Uh, and so all of that is 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 challenging. And so that was the beauty, and we talked about this last week of the Guardians. Is they're so young and dumb that they don't really grasp the gravity of the situation. But it's hard to ignore when you're forced to go to bed and think about it and think about it all night, all night, and then all the next morning. It is—it's hard to do. And and you're a 26-year-old rookie, which a lot of those guys are. A lot there's six rookies on that team. It's hard to ignore that. Like it, it was a big advantage that they had to play a bunch of games in a row. Right. That's advantage, regardless. Because you just keep you just keep but rolling. You push it back a day. Yeah. And now you have the John Carlos Stantons and the Harrison Baders and the Aaron Judges and the, and, the, and the Cortez and those guys who were just like who've been there before. F it. It's just another game. Mm-hmm. And then these other kids are going, oh shit! Didn't even think about this. Here we go. It, it's it's so hard to do and. Again, far be it for me to, to question a Hall of Fame manager, but I would have probably started somebody else. Yeah, you you, you, you would imagine you emotionally drained. Right, you want to start someone who's on their normal schedule. Right, who can pick up right where they left off. They're at full tank. Right, this is where their normal routine would be. And so, when you're in your normal routine, you can have that sense of groundedness, and you don't think about the gravity of the situation as much because this is what you've been doing for three hundred six for one hundred sixty two games. Excuse me. And so, you know that this is just what I do on this day. I pitch. Yes. And it's a baseball game. It's the same. But now I'm waiting another day, and it's not just a baseball game. It's like my whole season, my life, all my friends' lives are on the line. Terry Francona's job, whatever you're thinking about, all of these things that we worry about as normal people. Sure. Right. You and I. I have everyone listening has gone to bed thinking about something, mm-hmm. right? Worrying about something. Yeah. Now, whether it be big or small, we worry. And what happens when we worry before we go to bed? We do not sleep. Correct. And then we, t- and then we try to tell ourselves, hey, dude, you have something big tomorrow. You need to go to sleep. You're not falling asleep at that point. God, no. No. And I so mean, it's a big about that. Yeah. Like, so I, do that. I did that last night. I fell asleep. I woke up and then I was trying to fall back to sleep and I was like alright gotta wake up in two hours alright gotta wake up in one hour 45 minutes alright got an hour and a half to fall asleep right. and wake up and I finally did fall asleep after an hour I got an extra hour of sleep which is uh, as you know somehow worse right I'm somehow more tired than if I had just stayed awake the entire time um, and uh, and I didn't have to wake up and play a winner takes all game right. I had a contract negotiation and a couple of trainings and a meeting with you today. That's that's what I have my docket. Um, no, so my anxiety does not match that of a guy who was going to start and is going to start again. It, it might not match it, but it still means something. Oh sure, right? But, you know, it still means something. It's just if it's if it's that bad for me, imagine what it is for somebody else, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, and so, speaking of sleep, yeah, let's talk about sleep. For those watching, sleep is the most important thing. The numbers say that the most elite performers on the planet, the most elite performers on the planet, on average, get eight hours and 36 minutes of sleep per night. Eight hours and 36 minutes. I want everybody who knows me to hear that again. The most elite performers get on average eight hours and 36 minutes of sleep. So me saying I need eight hours of sleep every night. And you're like, Psh, come on, you better know. I got to be an elite performer. Yeah. I love getting eight hours in. Last night, I fell asleep knowing I fell asleep at 10. And I knew 
just about four to five o'clock in the morning, the baby starts waking up again to, to cry and, and to you know. Well, he wakes up at two, and Lulu does that one, mm-hmm. and then the baby wakes up again three hours later, usually around five, and that gives me seven hours of sleep right there. That Pretty is good. tremendous. Yeah. Um, if I can get somewhere between six and seven, and then go back to sleep, get two more hours, and then we're good. Right. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you on that. But I was just very excited to hear that. No, it's the most important thing, and I, I'm. <clears throat> I get kind of heated about this subject because a lot of people will talk about how you need to grind, 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 grind. And if you get more than six hours of sleep, you're a fucking pussy and you should work harder and you should work harder and you should work harder. Well, that stuff is nonsense. It's not backed by science and it's not backed by research and it's not backed by actual data. So... When you're thinking about working hard, you want to be at your best, right? You want to be at your fullest energy at your best. And yes, I understand that days vary and sometimes we get a little bit more sleep than it is. Sometimes we get a little less. But if we can aim for seven to nine hours of sleep and fall somewhere in the middle, then we will be at our best. And so if you really aim to want to work hard and show up as the best version of yourself every day, then your sleep and rest protocols are just as important as your grind, right? So if I'm going to grind, then I'm going to grind with full energy. I'm going to go hard while I'm doing the things I'm doing at practice, at school, in the rate room, doing negotiations, making deals, being with my family, having deep love, all of that stuff I'm fully energized and present for because I worked just as hard at my sleep and recovery so I can show up day in, day out. And so if you hear people on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram saying that if you sleep more than six hours, you're weak and you're lazy. Those people are people you should not follow anymore or you should listen to maybe their longer form content and explain why they think the way they think. But based on research and data, if you get seven to nine hours of sleep a night, you are fully recovering. Your brain is healing. It's regenerating. It's growing. Your body is growing and recovering. And so then when you wake up in the morning, you feel refreshed and you can get the fuck after it, which is what it's about. But you can't get after it unless you were fully recovering and that's the end of my talk boom so I wanted to say that I love it okay let's let's I have a few things few things to discuss before we just end with our picks yeah because those are easy but you just saw uh, uh, the NOLA brothers about to suit up for the first time in postseason in in Major League Baseball postseason history a brother will face off against a brother as a pitcher and a hitter and what we saw and I was like, oh my God, it's one of the coolest pictures I've ever seen, is Aaron Nola was warming up to pitch right next to his brother, Austin Nola, who's the starting catcher. Aaron Nola is the starting pitcher today for the Phillies. Austin Nola is the starting catcher today for the Padres. So today, as, uh-oh, um, Grissom. Uh, so today, as the Phillies and the Padres pitchers are warming up, Austin Nola is warming up Blake Snell right next to... JT Realmuto um, warming up Aaron Noah and the Noah brothers were right next to each other getting yeah. warmed up and warming up super and cool is, um, it was just a cool picture you know imagine you're getting ready for a postseason game you're with the Phillies you're on the Phillies haven't been in the postseason since 2011 you're with the Padres who have you know have been off and on off and on they did have postseason back in 2020 but there were no fans there um, and all of a sudden you're standing next to your brother mm-hmm. warming up for one of the biggest games of your life. It's a culmination of hard work and effort and 
and and love. So shout out to the Nola parents. Yes. For doing all of what we know is extremely hard to be a parent of a sports child. How much driving you have to do, how much money it takes, effort, time, energy, all of those things. So shout out to the parents that we know that take the, our boys to practice yes. every single week in games all the time. That's awesome. But it's super cool to have that culminate. You know, not everyone's going to experience that. They're both their sons being in the major leagues. It's right. very rare. That's why it's the first time in major league history. But very, very, very cool. How can you not be romantic about baseball? How could right? you not be romantic about baseball? And then one more thing I want to discuss, which was also cool. Uh, not cool, sorry, that's the wrong word, but interesting, yeah. which is something we've also discussed in a previous episode when we went over the dynamics of a bat flip. Um, I, think oh that's in, I think that's in season one. Oh, boy. Um, let's talk about uh, your boy. My boy. Your boy. I do love him. He's a, he's a fun baseball player. Your guy. All right. Uh, what's his name? Taylor? I don't know if I forgot his name. He's your guy. He's your guy. <laughs> we talked about him last week. Um, and now I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> you don't remember your guy's I, name? I, I, I know it in my head, like, over and over and over and over and over again. Um, oh, Huber just hit me up. Um, Naylor. Naylor. Josh Naylor. Naylor. Josh Naylor. I didn't even look it up, guys. So, what was it? Game, it was game four, right? Game four. four Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's pitching. 3-1 baseball game. In a 3-1. 3-1 baseball game, Josh Naylor hits a... Solo shot bomb. To not, I mean, just one. not like an absurd home run or anything. Just like a regular. No, he hit a bomb. He hit it hard. He did a great job. As Grisham dives for a play, probably unnecessarily, um, to get Snell out of the inning. One, two, three. Um, but he hit the home run, and then he had. He looked at uh, Garrett Cole, and he was a rocking a baby. I'm hey. I'm your daddy. You're my baby. I'm your daddy, mother effer. This yeah. and this and this and that. You're my son. You're my son. Um, and it's like, bro, you're still losing. And then they go on to lose the game. Right. So, okay, whatever. So then yesterday, you know. Um, yesterday, we're back in Glaber, the Bronx. So, Glaber Torres gets the final out, you know, at second base, steps on second base, and does the whole rock and the baby. And then later on in the day, you Darvish throws a pitch to Kyle Schwarber. And it was the fifth hardest hit home run. I can't remember the stat. I think it was like, 488 yeah. feet, and the ball was 120 miles per hour off the bat. 7 miles yeah. per hour or 9.6 miles per hour? 488 feet. Top five hardest hit baseballs in like the last whatever. And, I mean, he was just like, okay, cool. And he just got to try around the bases and touched home plate and said, okay. And then after the game, what did he say? Well, he did an interview with um, – I forgot the guy's name. Like Rosenthal. Ken Rosenthal in the dugout, like four minutes after he rounded the bases, after hitting a ball almost 500 feet, which is ungodly. He just goes, "Yeah, I hit it pretty good," and then he walked away, and and that was it. Yeah. And so there's a there's a difference between a young Naylor who hit 20 home runs in the regular which, season. By the way, he, he's most known for um, for hitting a grand slam earlier in the season and then headbutting. Terry Francona. He headbutted a bunch of guys. Like he's a he's an intense guy. No, I, I he's like cocky, but very intense. I, I understand playing with emotion. I think that's amazing, right? Baseball is a game that's full of emotions, but we want to be able to control our emotions. Um, paramount. That's paramount. That's what you. That's what having mental skills is for. And you look at a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who's an all star, been in the league a long time, led the National League in home runs with forty six. Uh, 46 home runs and then you look at a rookie like Naylor 20 home runs who doesn't even hit a game winning game leading game tying home run just a home run right. in a baseball game yeah. that's happened 
a million times and against Garrett Cole, who's dominating you, who also dominated you in game one. He's about to tie the series up and then you go on to lose the eventual series. There's a time and place for those things. There's a time and place for those things. And when you're down and you don't even hit a game tying game winning, go ahead home run. You just hit a home run. It's you're not anyone's father. No. You're nobody's father. You're just a good baseball player who took a good swing against one of the best pitchers in the game. And then you get into the dugout, and that should motivate your squad. I'm not saying don't be excited. You can run around the bases fired up, but you're nobody's father. Yes. You didn't father anyone. Garrett Cole is not your son. He won. He beat you. And so... Now, again, if that's the ninth inning and you hit a go-ahead, you hit a game-tying home run, you hit a a game-winning home run, a walk-off, you're everybody's daddy. Yes. Great. 18th inning. Great. You know, whatever. But that is a part of the game, and I love the emotion. I love the intensity. I love the fire, and I love that baseball is fun. But there has to be the right time and place for all those things to happen. Because now we see 11, 12, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, oh 14-year-olds. All they want to do is pimp home runs in the first inning, Go in the second the inning, in the Jeff third Fry, inning. She gone on Twitter. And like he always talks about that. You're teaching the youth baseball to do terrible things. That's not what we want to do. We want to teach our kids to run out the box hard, hustle out of the box, think two bags, Right. Think hustle, think slide, think move, think how Pete Rose played the game, how Ricky Henderson played the game. Those guys are what we want to emulate. How Ramirez on the Indi- on the Indians plays the game, right? He hits a, a routine pop up that might not fall, but he's on second, gets the, on the Guardian. Sorry, excuse my excuse me. You know, we want to emulate those guys. And I'm not saying, again, there's a time and place to get excited. Baseball is an exciting, emotionally driven game where there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of intense, close moments. But we want to. Uh, pick and choose those moments correctly in the moment, especially if you're going to claim to be someone's father. You were fired up about this. Yes. I was expecting like a 20 second blip. No. Uh-uh. No, you are like I, my Lucy, who was just on here, uh, was shaking, so I picked her up because you were so intense about it. I love it. <laughs> but I mean, I, then watching that Kyle Schwarber bomb was like, God, I'm just, it's incredible. There's no better, I just don't know if there's a better feeling in the whole world. Yeah. And Sports. he just turned around, around the bases. He smiled a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Alvin Pujols hit 699 and 700, and you know, 699 just kind of trotted. 700 was a little bit more excited about it. Because there's a celebration for him. People were celebrating yes. for him. But he still trotted around the bases pretty quickly. Right. Um, and then and Josh so. Taylor. So Josh Naylor, you know, you do you, baby. Whatever you want to do. This is just my random. This is just my random opinion on a podcast. But um, when you become a more mature baseball player, and you've been in the league long enough, I think you're going to kind of understand some of the dynamics of the game a little bit better, especially going against a guy like Garrett Cole, who after the game in the post conference just goes, "Yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, was, I, I don't yeah. care." Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and it's all, it was also really cool to see Garrett Cole pitch two really good games in the playoffs because he hasn't been a playoff pitcher. He's always had really, really strong regular seasons, and it was cool to see him dominate in the postseason. I did really like, um, who was it? Uh, Tom House said this yesterday. Let me pull it up. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom House and a lot of what he posts. And we love Tom House. Um, and what he said... Um, it was two days ago. Garrett Cole threw 110 pitches in that game four. And the next day he got to the park and said, hey, I'm ready to go. Um, and what did Tom House say about it? I've retweeted a lot of stuff since then. So. I saw that tweet. Yeah, what he said about it 
was basically, because I'm having a heck of a time finding here. Oh, here it is. Health is the number one priority. Yep. But if you're 32, you've signed a $324 million contract, just won your Game 4 ALDS star and threw 110 pitches, you are allowed to take the informed risk and say you're ready to pitch the next day. Mm -hmm. Garrett Cole is that guy. Yeah, he's allowed to do that. He knows his body. He knows his arm. Mm -hmm. He threw a ton of pitches. His 110th pitch was 98 miles per hour. Yeah. 98 miles per hour, 110 pitches. Then he shows up to the park the next day. By the way, he played 110 pitches, was in Cleveland. Then they go to New York. He wakes up and says, hey, I can throw again today if you want me to. He wants to win, man. Gamer, man. He wants to win. He got paid a lot of money to do it. He got so. paid a lot of money to do it. And he's also had some really poor performances. And yes. so now he's Last year against the Red Sox. He's feeling it. He's he's fired up. He's confident about his team. And he wants, to get, he wants to give him the best chance to win. And if he's that guy in the right situation, he's willing to go out there and do it. No matter if he doesn't succeed or not, right? You yes. cannot be willing to hit the home run in the batter's box that you're not willing to also strike out in. Correct. Anyways, let's just make our picks and then we'll call it a day. Cool. Um, Who do you got? got Phillies, Padres, who's going to the World this Series? This is a freaking tough one. You got two teams who um, were underwhelming by their own standards. By their own standards, they were underwhelming. Mm-hmm. You got one team that has an insane amount of star power with Soto, Machado, um, pitch starting pitcher. You have Blake Snell on the mound right now. He's not even their ace. You Darvish, who is their ace. You Darvish is only getting better with age. Only getting better. Man. He's thirty six. So he's throwing ninety seven. So good. Anyways, um, and then on the other side, you have Bryce Harper um, and JT Realmuto, Schwarber, Castellanos, Hoskins, Hoskins. Yeah, Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, two of the better starting pitchers. Zach Wheeler, dude. He, he just wheels and deals. All <laughs> intended. Um, so I, it's so hard to predict. Through 82 pitches in seven innings Dude, last I'm night. Gonna, I'm, his curveball is... He threw a five-pitch second inning. Noah's curveball is insane. Or was a five-pitch second inning. Second and third inning were eight yeah, and five I mean, pitches. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was second yeah. inning. It was second inning, fifth, uh, five pitches. So I just got home and turned the game on. Um, okay, who do you got? I'm going to go... I'm going to cheat because I've, I, I've already seen game one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Phillies in six because they're going to play three games in Philadelphia and that place is going to... Unglued. It's going to be unglued. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that the Padres will win the game we're watching right now and maybe steal one in Philly. Yep. But eventually the Padres, I think the Phillies. In six. Um, and you know what? I probably would have said um, Padres in five had I seen the Padres win last night. But it didn't since now I'm changing it to Phillies in six. Phillies in six. Um, it also comes down to, you know, their bullpen has been immaculate. Yep. Um, which was their biggest weakness. Their biggest weakness was bullpen, and it's been absolutely immaculate. Um, stats don't matter in postseason. Stats really so random in the postseason. So every guy is a major um, leaguer. As Manny Machado just hits a double down the line. Um, well, maybe Omendo Sousa. No, got, got him. him. Oh, got to run the tag. Look at that. Anyways, so if you throw. Um, so yeah, you got Phillies and um, six. So I got Phillies and six, and then um, I'm going to go Astros and five. Astros and five. No, Astros and five. Okay. I think that the Yankees bullpen is in shambles. I think that. The Aaron Hicks is not even on the LCS roster because he got hurt last night mm-hmm. in his knee. Um, they're talking about maybe putting. They're talking about maybe putting um, Matt Carpenter, third baseman, in left field. Like they just don't know who they're going to put out there. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll find out tonight. We will find out. Um, but I just, I just, the Yankees have been reeling, and you have the certified Yankee killer Altuve finally starting to hit a little bit in that 18 inning game against the Mariners mm-hmm. which my god I was 
Speaking of the Mariners, I was so upset that they were going to get swept and those fans were only going to get one game in Seattle. And then they played 18 innings in that one game. And I was like, okay, well, they got two games. Got there. <laughs> I mean, it sucks for the fans who were going to go to the next game. Yeah. But the fans who went to that game got their money's worth. Got one of the best games in Major League, League history. Division next year, so. 100%. Um, so. Okay, so you got yeah. Phillies in six, Astros in five. Yep. All right. Um, I, I have Yankees going to the World Series. I've had that since the beginning. So I'm going to pick Yankees in in seven. Okay. I'm going go Yankees in seven because I'd like to see seven games with those two oh, teams. Oh, I'd love to see seven games. So, Go but the Yankees have been my pick since the beginning. Phillies, Padres, uh, I'll tell a little story and then I'll tell my pick. Okay. So I lived in Philadelphia for almost two years. That's right. For, yeah, just about two years. And you and I reconnected. You were still living in Philadelphia. I lived in Philadelphia for two years. And the second year that I was living there, I lived with this guy named Wheeler, Utah. And if you watch AEW, my buddy Wheeler Yuta is on national television wrestling every single every single Wednesday. Does he fight Chris Jericho? Yeah, he has before. I just saw a, a promo cut of Chris Jericho. Yeah, he's fought Chris Jericho before. That's so sick. Yeah, so we lived together Y2K, in... Y2K, baby. Y2J. Y2J in a really, really, really bad apartment because we were both struggling professional wrestlers at the time. And he is a diehard Phillies everything fan. His, his favorite sport is... Uh, uh, baseball, and so he loves the Phillies, loves the Sixers, loves the Eagles, and so while I live with him, you know, I, I he's one of my best friends in the whole world. I love him to death, and so he's I know he's he went to a few playoff games. He's going to go to a few more in Philadelphia, and so I say all that to say that I'm I'm hoping the Phillies win because I love my boy Utes, and I'm proud to see him on national television wrestling That's guys cool. like Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson and all these things when, so we, when we had dreams of doing that when we were living in this really bad apartment in Philly and it's, it's possible your dreams can come true. They do come true. It's like keep going, keep hustling. It's unbelievable. And so I go Phillies in six. Phillies in six. Yankees in seven. Phillies, Yankees, World Series. Let's get after it. Cold baseball, baby. That's actually true. We got. Um, it's funny. Could be you know, warm baseball. Could be cold could be, baseball. Could be, um, if it's Padres, uh, if it's Padres Astros, everybody's going to be chilling, chilling like a villain. And then if it's, I mean, if, I imagine it being Padres versus Yankees or Astros versus Phillies. Yeah, there's a lot of a weather it's options. Warm weather guys are going to be frozen. But if it's Phillies Yankees, advantage man. That's cold. That's They're going back to Philly where it's been cold for like a month. It's really hard it's to play baseball in the cold. right now in San Diego. It's really hard yeah. to play baseball in the cold. 91, especially if you're not used to it. 91 degrees right now in San Diego. And in two days, nice pitch. In two days, they're going to be in Philly where it's going to be not 91 no. degrees. No, <laughs> it will not be 91 degrees. Uh, anyways, those are our picks. We will circle back for a World Series episode. And then we'll see where the podcast goes from there. But we're we're, finding, we're actually kind of getting on a pretty good schedule every week. So yeah. we're going to do this every week. Maybe Special we'll, shout out to James yeah. Massengill, who does listen to us all the time. And he loves our banter. Oh, sweet. Um, so love you, James. Uh, Jimmy Jams. And uh, appreciate you listening. Yeah, we appreciate everyone who listens. Check out the website, champsadjust.com. Um, drop Mindset us a like program. and review on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Mindset program is available. Merch is available. New oh. merch coming out. Yeah, we got new merch. Uh, everything's good. Everything's on the website. If you subscribe to our newsletter, you get notifications about everything. Websites, newsletter, uh, podcast episodes. Everything is at champsadjust.com. But we appreciate it. We'll be back soon. And um, lots of love. Love you.